bulletins to to keep up with everything that's going on. If you do have a smartphone or tablet today, you can follow right along. We'll have uh, notes that are available for you at the palm of your hands, and I'll just I'll walk you through that if you have never done that before. There's a, there's a Bible app called YouVersion. Go on the Play Store, go on your App Store, download that, and then once you download that, click on that, and then there's a little drop-down menu on the side there. Go ahead and click on that drop-down menu. You'll see it on the side right there. And then there's a thing that says, it says videos. Number two is events. Click on events. And then it says events covered. You'll probably have the same thing like me. You click on that little magnifying glass, type in Vision Ministries Toledo, and then we're going to pop up. We're going to be number two there, right there, Vision Ministries Live. Go ahead and click on that. If you click on that and you see our toxic logo at the top, then you are in the right place. You can follow right along. We are on our second part of the toxic series. We are talking about the seven deadly sins. Say this with me. Say seven deadly sins. And so last week, uh, if you want to know what the seven deadly sins are, uh, what are they? They are one lust, two gluttony, three greed, four sloth or laziness, five wrath or anger, six envy, and seven pride. Now, uh, it was kind of funny. We had somebody say, well, you're not doing them in order last week, and that's kind of on accident and on purpose at the same time because First off, we don't want to go in order and then you think, well, they're going to be talking about, you know, envy next week and I don't want to deal with that, so I'm not coming. So we're not doing them in order. So that way it stays fresh and then you don't quite know exactly what we're going to share the next week. Okay, so last week, Pastor Joy, she preached on wrath and so that's why I got that crossed out there. We, we kind of went through that. If you missed that last week, that is on our website right now. It'll be up until tomorrow. It's also on SoundCloud. All of our sermons are, we place those and make those available to you on SoundCloud. All right, here we go. We're going to go into our second deadly sin. It's kind of funny because I told Joy, I said this morning, I said, you know, it's kind of funny. I said, you kind of dealt with your, the one that you deal with off the top of the bat. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to top off the one that I usually deal with right off the top. And so today, friends, we're going to learn about pride. This is the one that I have to shadow box all the time. It's, vi- it's pride. It's the very thing that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven, and it's been around for a long time, even from the beginning. And uh, it's one of the reasons that he was not only rejected from heaven, but it's also one of the things that can also keep us from being rejected from the King of kings and Lord and lords as well. So if you're following right along, we're going to talk about this. Number one, pride is toxic in that it creeps in slowly. Pastor Ben, you can go ahead. You can turn off that uh, that that other amplifier. You can do that. Thank you, sir. That'll help out. It'll stop the back back feed. Thanks, bud. Pride is toxic in that it creeps in slowly. For the majority of us, we have before coming to Christ, we have it, pride, and then. In order for us to come to Christ, you must first, what, humble yourself. So there's a place in our life where we actually humble ourselves, and then and and whatever it is that we're depending on him for, I mean, we submit and we yield ourselves to him. But then something happens in that this thing likes to creep back in, and then we find ourselves not necessarily depending on him anymore, but we start depending on our own self. We'll start depending on our own abilities, our own strengths, our own 
talents, whatever that is. And so we'll see that. And But the thing is, is it doesn't come right away. It creeps in slowly. The Bible says this. It says, uh, or no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually read the de- definition before we go into Romans. The definition of pride, and this is it. Pride is defined as this. It's a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or displayed in bearing or conduct. So it's saying kind of two things. Either, either it's the, it's the, it's this, the way that they think about themselves, or it's displayed in bearing and conduct, meaning it's displayed in the way you hold yourself or how you act. So there's two types, so, so there's two types of pride. There's the pride that's in the mind where a person, they think of themselves more highly than they ought. And then there's a the pride that we may see in the way that we're treated by somebody or the way that we see how somebody treats others. And that's on the outside. Number two, a becoming or defined sense of what is due to oneself. So it's like, I deserve this. So this is the Webster's dictionary. This is how it's defining it. Or one's position, character, self-respect, or self-esteem. So, so pride being defined as this opinion of your own importance. Like, I'm somebody special. I'm more superior in this aspect or in general. And it's also a, a way of somebody, the way that people can think. But this is the funny thing. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it says this. It says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So if, if, if Paul through Romans is telling them who are believers to not think of themselves more highly than they ought, then that's something that believers we can tend to do, correct? Because it seems to me like what happens is once we've been set free or delivered or healed or set apart or whatever that is, there's something that begins to creep in where we now begin to look down on the person that's still in that mess. And I've seen that happen. I've seen it happen in church. I, it just, but it, it's a slow fade. It isn't something that happens over, overnight. There's just something that happens where then I don't know why we start to b- believe ourselves better than we, than we ought to think. And we start looking down at people. Well, how, well, I got out. Well, how come they can't get out? And it's this mindset and this mentality. But it says, but rather think of yourself with so, sober judgment. And we have this understanding that it really is all by the grace of God. And it isn't by you doing anything that it really was God's grace. And it's continuing walking in God's grace. Romans chapter 12 and verse 16 says this. It says, don't be, it says, don't be proud and don't be conceited. It says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily even mean your uh, your social status, but whatever you would consider a low position. So maybe that's somebody, maybe that is socially. Maybe it's somebody that, you know, that isn't where you're at. Maybe it's somebody that, that uh, and it's kind of funny because when you actually look in, in Scripture, it actually says this. It says, it says, the, it says the rich man should uh, should take heed in his low position and... And the poor man should celebrate his high position. So, so in the kingdom aspect of the way that we view things, it's actually backwards than the way society lifts us to be. Because in society, the more money we have, then the better off we are. The more, the more we give credit to people, the more that we um, esteem people. But yet, 
the Bible would say that if you got a, if you're if you have a lot of money, that's actually a lower position than the person that doesn't have a lot. So it's kind of a different say backwards. The kingdom of God is backwards and that we don't exalt ourselves to be exalted. We humble ourselves to be exalted and vice versa. If we humble ourselves, we'll be exalted. But if we exalt ourselves, we'll be humbled. It creeps in slowly. And so we're going to we're going to read a few illustrations of how this has happened to people. Good people, godly people say godly people. And that it can happen to us as well. And so that's why it's toxic. It's why we're talking about it. It's one of the sins that that is deadly. We're going to read here in Second Chronicles chapter 26. We're going to read a few verses about King uh, Uzziah. Okay, King Uzziah. Verse 3, it says, King Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. Say, young king. Okay, 16. He reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years, so he actually was a king for quite a long time. His mother's name was Jechaliah, and she was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father uh, Amazah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And here we go. It says, as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So we have this king, Uzziah, who was crowned king at a young age, and and he's he's seeking after the Lord. He's humbling himself. He's, he's, he's doing this. But something happens here. Skip down a few verses, and we're only going to read verse 16. This is where it gets scary. Say scary. But after... Uh, After Uzzah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So we have this guy who, at the beginning, when he was younger, he he served the Lord faithfully, and he trusted in God, and he was successful in all that he did. But then we go just like ten verses down. This guy reigned 52 years. Ten verses down, it says, after he became what? Powerful. So, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this before. What? Power does what? Power corrupts. How does it corrupt? Because, absolutely, because what happens is there's something inside of man that when we're, ex- that when we're exalted, that we start thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. It's, the, it's human nature. It's the flesh. It's just all of us deal with this. All of us can have this from time to time. It's so scary because the same can happen to us. Perhaps we have humble beginnings. Perhaps we start off as a street rat. Perhaps uh, we, you know, we start off in the low of the lows. Maybe you were, maybe you were raised in the gutter of the ghetto, or maybe, you know, maybe you were you raised in a trailer park, or whatever you would consider the, you know, the lowest of the low, or whatever. Okay, you know, you live on the streets. You didn't have anything. So, you, so you have nothing. You have humble beginnings, and then you commit your life to Christ. And what does Jesus do? Jesus adds His qualities to you. He adds His qualities to you. So when Jesus adds His qualities, when you say it is no longer I that live, that Christ lives in me, because I'm humbling myself and I'm coming before Him, He adds His qualities to you. So then you find yourself becoming successful, anointed filled with power, filled with authority. You begin to have victory. You begin to have value. You find yourself having wisdom and knowledge and influence and blessing. Why? He elevates you, but it's not you, friends. It's His qualities that are now in you. And we see this also with King Saul. 
But there's something about that when God adds his qualities to us and he gives us success, because the Bible says, it says, do not turn your eye from the left to the right in the book of of Joshua from the law and you will be prosperous and successful in all you do. So what happens when you're successful? We can start to begin to think that we're something from that. We see this happen with another man. His name is Saul. Okay, When he was king, he had humble beginnings. Say humble beginnings. He even said it out of his own mouth in 1 Samuel chapter 9. And he said this in verse 21. He says, am I not a Benjamite? My brother's name is Benjamin. It's kind of funny. Benjamite. He's got the Benjamite clan. I'm going to call all of those little kids Benjamites. <laughs> From the smallest tribe of Israel... Is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? So in this passage, what's happening is Samuel is coming to to Saul saying, basically, you're about to become king. And what does he say out of this? He said, he said, why are you choosing me? I'm from the smallest clan. I'm from the smallest tribe. Pretty much you got the wrong guy. What's that? Humble beginnings. But something and then this is what's this is what's incredible. First Samuel, we're going to continue on here. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 9. Okay, because you can look at that and you can say, well, maybe that guy, all this other stuff. No, something powerfully happened in, in verse 9 of chapter 10. Okay, and I, and I put the title on there because it's when he's made king. He's, he's anointed with oil. And verse 9 says this. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart and all these uh, signs were fulfilled that day. This man had a changed heart. So he was anointed with oil and his heart changed. He had a transformation. Okay, you can parallel that he committed his life to Christ. Okay, his heart was changed. He was a different person. So this guy has humble beginnings, gets touched by God, is anointed as king, becomes king, and then something happens here five verses later, or excuse me, five chapters later. In verse 12 of 1 Samuel, it actually starts in, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, when he's getting ready to have, he's getting ready to go into an army and he, and he does something unlawful. And then secondly, we see this happening here in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Okay, between 1 Samuel 10 and 15, there are a lot of victories. Say a lot of victories. Okay, this guy, I mean, he, I mean, the Lord anointed him powerfully, and so he's routing all kinds of enemies, all kinds of, of kingdoms. I mean, he's, he's just, just demolishing uh, all of their enemy kingdoms. And so I want to read just one verse here in 1 Samuel chapter 15, because this chapter is a sad chapter. It's a chapter where God actually... He rejects King Saul, but there's a, there's a verse here that I want to read, and, uh, and it's verse 12, and it says this. It says, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went and met Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel, this is right after he has a major victory, and there he has set up a monument in his own honor, and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. So, okay, so we have this man who was nothing, came from nothing, anointed as king, has a heart change, and then five chapters later, he's building a monument to himself. What happened? Friends, pride creeps in slowly. It creeps in slowly. It doesn't happen overnight. It wasn't like this guy was like the macho man of the best of the best clan, that he can walk in his own arrogance and be king. No, God, he specifically chose somebody of humble beginnings, knowing that 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 way that... the. Uh, is, that Israel can extol God and say it was God that raised up the king and not this person's own giftings and, and abilities that he was some sort of warrior person, raises him up as a warrior, and then because he was elevated, he begins to build a monument to himself. A monument in his own honor, it says. Friends, let me say this. There is a major difference in others building a monument in your recognition and you doing it yourself. 
Monuments are not bad. They're, they're meant to be a memorials. And if we don't have them, friends, we would forget what happens. That's why we have the Lincoln Memorial. That's why we have like all these memorials of, of these great battles and, and we're honoring these people that gave sacrifice. But they didn't set it up in, for themselves. No, setting up a monument or a, or a memorial is fine as long as you're not doing it. So he's setting up a monument in his own honor. Friends, pride is toxic in that it creeps in slowly. This is what it says. It says, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12. There's a few scriptures in Proverbs we're going to read. It says, before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. That's the old, that's the old NIV. I like that one better. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Yours probably says a little different if you're following along um, on the, on the U version. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, the exact same thing again. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So there's two verses. we just seen two men that, that started with a good start, but then something happens where then they begin to have pride in their heart, and, and, it, and even like it says with King Uzziah, it began his destruction. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. It says this. It says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Say, I hate pride. Who's saying that? God is saying that. So if God hates pride, then we should do our absolute best to, to what? Get rid of it or to flee from it. If God hates it, then we don't need any of it to be around us, in us, through us. Correct? Because if God hates that, then he's going to hate what's in you. And I don't know about you, I don't need God hating what's in me. Number two, pride is toxic in that most who have it don't know it or that they don't recognize it. Pride is toxic in that the people that deal with it are the ones they don't even realize it. It's almost, they're almost blinded to it. And that's, that's scary. And it's where often where most people fall. And friends, this is the thing. They will often deny it when it's addressed because they're so proud to be humble. So if you were to tell somebody who has pride, they have pride, they're going to deny it, and they're going to tell you how humble they are. But it's true. You tell someone they have pride and they do, they're going to deny it. Nobody, because if you really have pride, you're going to deny it. If you have pride and you can actually pinpoint it or recognize it, then friends, you're on the journey of walking in humility. Okay? If there's pride in your heart, it will often manifest itself in many ways. These are just a few. If you can look at one of these descriptions and you can say, I do that, then you know what that is? That is a manifestation of pride. For example, one of the ways that pride will magnify itself is in boasting or bragging. If you find yourself, you have to tell everybody everything all the time. And let me say, and it doesn't have to be with your mouthpiece. Friends, we have a, a now a social media interlinking where now we can do that through social media. And so we can sit there and we can boast and brag about all the things that we're doing, all the things our children are doing, all the things. And there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with cataloging your family's adventures. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But if you find your, if you are doing that because you want somebody to give you a thumbs up or a pat on the back or an okay, friends, most likely it's pride. You want somebody to stroke your ego, and that's tough. That's a manifestation of pride. Number two, the second manifestation, and like I said, there's there's multiple, but these are just a few. Number two is criticism. Friends, if you find yourself where your opinion is right, while all everyone else's opinion is wrong, then friends, that's pride. I guarantee you, there are times you are wrong too. I'm saying this out of somebody who fights with pride. When you find yourself being critical of others, here here's an example. You know, in church, perhaps perhaps you perhaps you have a different preference of music. Perhaps you have a different preference of the way somebody preaches. Perhaps you have different preference. And so, in your mind or your heart, you're 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 breaking down uh, what's being shared or what's being sung. Or and you know what that is? That is a spirit of criticism. That is that isn't that isn't uh, constructive criticism. Because the Bible says that we are to what? To build each other up in the faith. So what are those thoughts? What is that attitude? What is that actually really going to build? Nothing. All it's doing is, is it's spiking your ego to make you feel like you're right and they're wrong. And if you find yourselves in conversations where, where you find yourself, you have to be right and somebody else is wrong, then friends, that is a manifestation of pride. Number three, friends, self-exaltation. We see this happen with King Saul. Okay, he built a monument to himself. When you find yourself having to show everyone how good you are at something or how you are good at everything, <laughs> when you exalt yourself, when you, let me tell you this, a person that walks in humility and a per, if you truly do have the giftings, you don't have to exalt yourself. Other people will exalt you. But if you find yourself exalting yourself, then friends, that's a manifestation of pride. Because if you're to walk in humility, you're going to let others do the exalting and you don't need to do the exalting. Self-exaltation. Okay, I'm going to show you how great I am. I'm going to build a monument to myself. Number four, arrogance. Okay, these are the people that are the know-it-alls or the never-wrongs. So if you have a hard time admitting when you're wrong, I'm speaking to myself, then friends, that is a manifestation of arrogance, which is pride. You know it all, man. I mean, you get into conversations and you have to correct them on their, their, <laughs> their statement, which is an error. Friends, that's arrogance. You don't have to correct every little jot and tittle of somebody's, you know, the way they speak or the way they, they view things. Or if you find yourself never wrong, how do you know you're never wrong? Because anytime somebody wants to come up against you or if somebody wants to challenge what you say and even the facts admit to, to your being fault, you will find a way around and not admitting to being wrong. Can you just say this with me? Pastor Joy, look it to your neighbor. <laughs> look it to your neighbor. <laughs> look at the person sitting next to you and say this. Say, I was wrong. You know, Okay, look at the person next to you on the other side and just tell them, say, I was wrong. For some of us who deal with pride, that's that's very difficult to say. <laughs> Pastor Joy, we have an exercise here. Can you just help everyone else out here? Just like I helped you last week. 
And over the mic, can you just say those three incredible, awesome words? I was wrong. All right. <laughs> she said it so easily. If you don't know what we're talking about, this was an inside joke from last week where she did the exact same thing to me. But it was a lot harder for me to say what she wanted me to say. She said it so easily. Dang it. It backfired. <laughs> so anyways, we find ourselves in arrogance. And then number five. Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> Another manifestation of pride is where you find yourself snooty or stuck up. Where you turn your nose up to people because for some, in some aspect you think you're better. So... There's a difference between having a different preference and actually being stuck up. Okay, you can have a different preference about something, and that's fine, and it's and it's and it's all about the presentation. But if you real, but if you for some reason inside you're gonna let somebody know that you're better than them in this way, you're gonna turn your nose up. And when you find yourself turning your nose up to people, friends, that's a manifestation of pride. And and this is one of the hardest things that I see happen. And, and I've seen it happen in this church, and I've seen it happen all over, is when we come to a place where we're, where, again, and I've, I've said this earlier, where we've been perhaps delivered from an area, or we've been freed from an area, and then we look down at somebody who's still dealing with that. Or we look with, with you know, like, and, and there's, this re, there's this, well, why can't they? Well, friends, it was by, again, the grace of God that you were set free from that. The grace of God. You didn't achieve sanctificationhood now because you've got set free in that area. You know, I mean, you're deemed sanctified. You know, this, let's pull out the sword and W, knight of thy, thy sanctif- sanctified brother or sister. No, friends, it's by the grace of God. You know, what? it's by his good graces and his mercy that, that we, as we're drawing to him, as we're yielding ourselves, for some people, he, he, he delivers them supernaturally, overnight, powerful stuff. And other people, it's it's going to be something where it's going to be a, a work that's going to happen consecutively. And it's just kind of like the etching away. So let's not have a snooty or a stuck-up attitude because somebody else has, a, has, the, had, has the same struggle that we once had or somebody has a struggle that maybe we've never had. And we're wondering, well, why can't they do this or why can't they do that? It's tough. If you're, you know, if you were born with privilege or you were born with, with, you know, you, you, with money or with some sort of social standing and you wonder why people uh, are, are raised, you know, and they, they can't get out because you don't understand the stronghold of generational poverty. Okay. Or if you have, or if you're impoverished and now you're snooty, snooty and stuck up about people that have money because you've never had it because it can happen on the other side too. <laughs> Or there's a few other things, real quick, a few other ways that pride can manifest itself, and that's we can find ourselves, uh, if we're in a place where we're being disrespected, we're in a disagreement with somebody, or if we find ourselves being corrected, we can find, we can find that pride will manifest itself. How do you know this? Get disrespected. See if it's not your pride, the first thing that rises up. Because somebody tell you about yourself, what are you going to do? You're going to tell them about themselves. Okay? With that, with that little head shake, I'm going to tell them about themselves. And not only are you gonna, and if you were, if you were raised, if you were raised in urban setting at all, not only are you gonna tell them about themselves, you're gonna one up them, and you're gonna tell them about themselves in a manner that hurt even worse. Right? Cause I mean, 
Or if you find yourself in a disagreement, you know, and so somebody has to prove that they're right. And so then you have this whole big hash over something that was so insignificant. But but now it's become a pride. Now it's become a, a, a pride match over who's right and who's wrong. And then this is the other thing. When you find yourselves being corrected, friends, if you have a hard time receiving correction, it's only because of pride. It's only because of pride. That could be at your job. Perhaps your performance isn't the way that it should be. Perhaps maybe you maybe you've. Maybe you're not functioning the way you should. Maybe maybe you're not reaching the level of, of whatever, perhaps you have a quota that you're supposed to reach and you're not reaching that. And so you have your supervisor come and they're saying, hey, let's do this, this, this. And if you're like, well, I'm already doing that. What are you doing? You just justified yourself and you can't receive correction. And friends, if you can't receive correction, then friends, you are, uh, the Bible says the man who puts his hand in the pile and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Friends, I'm going to say this. This is in the Bible, but, but it's a biblical principle. If you can't receive correction, you're not fit for the kingdom. You have to be able to receive correction. Okay? I'm, I'm guilty. Correction's tough. Okay? It's hard. When you're a kid, it's easy because you get a butt smacking, you get over it, you move on. As an adult, when you receive correction, it's usually about your character, and that's even harder to deal with. Like they used to say, sticks and stones break your bones, but names will never hurt. Okay? That, that's a lie. That's the dumbest song I've ever heard in my life. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lie. Okay. You, you have a broken bone. Let's say you can, let's say recovery. Let's say four to six months. Okay. Whatever. Six to eight weeks, whatever the broken bone is. There's people that have words that have held on to them for 20 years. We need to reteach our kids some, some songs that actually are true. Sticks and stones can break your bones, but don't say words because they will hurt worse. <laughs> here we go. Let's continue on here. Pride affects everyone in some degree. Even the best of us are not immune to its lofty trap. Even, check this out, the man after God's own heart, David himself, found himself at the end of his life giving into pride. I'm not going to read it just due to time. I'm just going to kind of share it. It's actually found in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1 through 4. Okay, the Bible goes on to say this, that Satan enticed David, and so he went and he took a census of his of his kingdom to do what? To find out how many fighting men that he had in his kingdom. So he does this, and the cool thing about this is that, do you know that God always gives an exit sign? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians... I think it's, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that, that, uh, you know, that every sin is common to man that, that he will always provide a way out. So David in, in, in bringing this up together, God will even use ungodly men <laughs> to try to stop us because he even uses Job or Joab or, uh, his, his, um, commander. And this guy was not godly at all. And he's saying, David, I think we need to rethink this. And David does it anyway. So let's hear it. We're going to skip on down to verse 9 and 10. And this is what it says. Joab reported the number of the fighting men of the king in Israel. There were all these people. Okay, we're going to skip to verse 10. David was conscious stricken. Say conscious stricken. Yes. After he had counted the fighting men and he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt from your servant. Friends, is there anything wrong with, with, with taking a catalog or, or with uh, doing an inventory? Absolutely not. We see that happen in, in the whole book of Numbers. Uh, we see that happen in um, Moses' day when 
that's exactly what he was to do. They were, they were to count out all these things. So it's not the sin in the inventory. It's the sin of the heart. David, so what, this is, and this is what, this is what gets me here. Okay, we have David at the beginning, say the beginning. First Samuel chapter 17, he's standing before Goliath and he's telling them this. He's saying, you come at me with, with sword, with javelin, with spear, but I come at you at what? In the name of the Lord God Almighty. So at the beginning, his assurance, his strength, his trust rested in God. But then we have, and David reigned between 30 or 40 years, I can't remember which. And so you have 40 years, let's just say 40, comes along, and then at the end, he's now, he builds this great vast army, he's got all this wealth, he's got all this stuff, and now he's doing what? He's taking an inventory to see, because so that he can, in his heart, know how many fighting men he, he wants to know how big his gun is. In modern, in modern terms. He wants to know how big his army is. Okay, what happens when you start showing guns? You know, it's just a, it's a pride show. That's all it is. And that's all he was doing. He was just, he just wanted to know how big his guns were. Okay? Look at my guns. No, look at my guns. Okay, no. Okay. Welcome to the gun show. So, so we have David who, he starts off trusting in God and then, and then he has the sin of pride where he is counting his own army. He's trying to, he's trying to see everything that he built, he built up here. It's, here we go. James chapter four, verse six. And this is the thing. Since pride is so poisonous and deadly, it will lead us to destruction. Then also, God says this. He says he opposes, or another translation will say, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let me tell you this, friends. We're already battling against the devil. We're already battling against the flesh. We're already battling against sin. The last thing we need to do is now battle against God. Because what is God saying? He's saying if you walk in pride, if you walk in arrogance, I'm going to oppose you. Okay? I've never known opposition to be friendly. And why would God do that? Because he wants you to be humble. Because he loves you. So you can either humble yourself or you can have God humble you. And I don't know about you, but in my, in in any of my experiences, me humbling myself always works a lot better than when God has to humble me. So what's the antidote? We're talking about pride here. It's toxic. And these are a few things that I have found as a person that always has to keep pride at bay. These are a few things that I've learned to, to help for me and my mind and my heart and try with my attitude to walk in humility. And so uh, the, these are just a few things. Hopefully these, these will uh, benefit you and help you out as well. What is the antidote? Well, these are a few things. Again, number one, we need to remember it was God. Say this. Say remember. remember. It was God. Because for some reason we, we look back and we think, man, we did something. And God is so good that he even reminds us of these things. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. He wants us to remember it was him. He says, you may say to yourself, by my power and the strength of my hands, I have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it was he, say it was he, who gave you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So what is he saying? You might come to a place where you're going to be like, man, you did all this work and you, man, you just, you know, 
Josh, you really built this ministry, and man, you, you know, turn around South Toledo and blah, 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 and the devil's lying to me, and I'm eating it up like it's a bag of chips or whatever, and I start thinking of myself more highly than my ought, and this is what he goes on to say, remember it was God. Remember it was God from the very beginning to the very end. Don't think that, man, I did this by my own strength. God gave you this strength. Remember it was God. Remember where we came from. If we can have this attitude and remember, continue to remember that, friends, it is all by the grace of God from season to season that we're carried by the grace of God. And that if we have victory over areas in our life, it is by the grace of God. If you can say no to sin and temptation of the devil, it's by the grace of God. Okay? If you have promotion and blessing and success and victory, it is by the grace of God. Just remember it was God. It was him. He did it, not you. You applied his attributes to your life, and success is the byproduct. Number two, this is, the, this is the one that I remind myself every single day, and it's this. Clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself. This is the thing about, this is the thing about humility. Friends, humility is not a gift of the Spirit, meaning it, it isn't something that somebody can lay hands on you and you receive an impartation. If you could, I would have, I would have had people lay hands on me a long time ago. It is not a fruit of the Spirit, meaning it's not something that the Spirit of God produces in our life, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. No. The only time that it actually, when you read how to apply it to your life, is found here. It's in First, First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. And this is what it says. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. So if you're older in here, you can look to the person sitting next to you that's younger than you. You can say, submit to me, I'm older. No, don't do that. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm older than you. <laughs> older than all y'all. Submit. And then he goes on to say this. <laughs> then he goes on to this, talking about the old and to the young alike. He says, all of you. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another because, and he says it again, remember we just read it in James chapter 4, and he says it again. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. I like it better when it said grace. New NIV, thank you. You changed the word. Verse 6, humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. So when you humble yourself, he'll lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up. You don't have to exalt yourself. Okay, and what is, how do you clothe yourself with humility? For the most part, hopefully, well, maybe some of us clothe ourselves today. If you have a stylish spouse, maybe they clothed you today. But, but you put each leg into each pant leg, you pulled it, you zipped it, you put the shirt on. It's something that you have to do on purpose. You have to do it on purpose. You have to do it intentionally. What is it, Kate? When you clothe yourself with humility, friends, it's a mindset. It's a perspective of being aware of your own weakness and frailty. No matter how strong we might think we are, it's having this awareness of our own daily reliance on God. It's mentally placing ourselves in a low position. That's how you do it. That's how you want to clothe yourself with humility. You could be you could be the highest CEO with with the Fortune 500 company making the most money in all the world, but friends, you can find yourself walking in humility that if you place yourself in a low position, or you could be at a low position, you know, and you can still place yourself in a low position. Okay, it's making yourself a servant. Say, making yourself a servant. 
Not somebody else making you a servant. <laughs> you gotta serve. No, that's, that's, okay, now you're forced and that's not walking in humility. Okay, that's following orders. But when you actually clothe yourself with humility, you make yourself a servant. And we have the greatest example of all. Isn't that what Jesus did? He, what? He made himself a servant. Or another translation said he made himself a slave. And he gave himself for all of us. Okay? So we have the greatest example of, of making ourselves a servant. And then finally, number three, we're going to end with this here. Give praise to where praise is due. If you find yourself walking in pride, friends, I guarantee you, you add these three elements, these three antidotes to your life, you'll find pride being a little bit at bay. Or maybe you'll see it a lot at bay. When you remember it was God, when you clothe yourself with humility and, the, humility, and then number three, give praise to where praise is due. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 21. This, this scripture changed my life forever. And this is what it says. It says, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but a person is tested by being praised. When you're praised, you're being tested. Fire, or another translation would say crucible for silver, fire for gold. But a man is tested by the praise he receives. So, so when somebody wants to give you a little bit of accolade, okay, we don't have to get all weird with it and be like, because I've seen it happen. Maybe it was you one day, you know, far, far away. It's not me. It's God. No, I'm, I'm giving all the credit to him. You don't have to get all weird with it, okay? You don't have to make a, spin, a scene and a spectacle on how it's God when somebody wants to say good job. But in your heart, when somebody wants to say, you know, Pastor Dorinthia, man, worship was awesome. That was amazing. Thank you for bringing us into the presence of God. Now, she could be like, oh, that's not me. That was the Holy Spirit. Okay? But for a person that does walk in humility, because really when you're doing that, I mean, you're making a spectacle in this pride anyways. If somebody comes to me and say, man, Pastor Josh, that was a good message. You know what I usually do? I'll say, praise God or God is good. Just, you know what, what am I doing? I'm just redirecting where the praises do. Because I know that it wasn't my own intellect and my own thoughts that compiled a message together. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So if I know it's Him, I'm not gonna, and I'm not gonna be like, it's not me, it's God. Give Him His praise. I'm just gonna say, praise God. Awesome, you know? They want, they want to, I'm not rebuking somebody for giving me a compliment. <laughs> because that does make you awkward, doesn't it? When you're trying to like compliment somebody and every time they're just redirecting it in like a, it's almost kind of like a false humility. Because why, why do you have to make a spectacle about it? Because you really know. I mean, if you know and they know, then, then it's all good. And so I just, like I said, I just say, you know, and you can even say, you can say thank you, but in your heart you know it's God. Like I said, for me, I just remind myself and I'll say, praise God, or I'll say, God is good. And that's me verbally just reminding myself that it was Him. So we don't have to do all that. Okay? And it's real, and, it, and, and when we give praise to where praises do, friends, then we can thank him for partnering with us or allowing us to partner with him in whatever it was that somebody wanted to give us a little bit of pat on the back. Okay, giving people pat on the back isn't bad. Okay the, okay, the Bible talks about edifying and exhorting and all these different things, and we need that. We need to encourage one another. Okay, the Bible says encourage one another as the day approaches. So we're, we need to encourage each other. We need to build each other up. But in doing that, we don't have to think that we're all this, you know, now that because somebody recognized our talent or our gift or because we have some sort of special something or another. Let me just, I just want to close with this, friends. Okay, pride is toxic in that 
Number one, it's a, it slowly comes in. It comes in over time. And then secondly, it's toxic and that most people who deal with it don't even recognize it. Would you stand to your feet with me? We're going to do this, this, and I'm just going to let you guys know this. This whole series, we want to give people opportunities. We want to give people opportunities to lay some areas down at the altar and to pray with people. And so through this series, we're going to give, we're going to give invitations that if you do a self inventory and maybe any of those areas, you say, man, I, I do, man, pride got a hold of my heart. We're going to ask that you would take some time to come before the Lord and lay it down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this powerful opportunity that we have to be in right standing with you. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, your word says you give grace to the humble. You give favor to the humble. And, Lord, even in this, God, we don't want to be so proud to believe that we don't need help. God, I believe that in each person in this place, God, there's a measure of pride. And God, it might be a larger, in larger degrees than others. Or perhaps, God, perhaps we've already recognized this in ourselves. And Lord, on a regular, we challenge ourselves to put it at bay. Father, I thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, for your grace to be upon us, to say yes to you, to say yes to humility, and to say no to pride. To say yes to you, to say yes to humility. And to say no to pride. If you find yourself in this house at times walking in pride, thinking of yourself more highly than you ought, maybe one of those different manifestations you found yourself doing, and you want to be a person that walks in greater humility, would you slip your hand up in this place? Hands up all over the room. Can we have our prayer team come forward if you're part of our prayer team? Like I said, again, this whole series, we're going to give people opportunities to receive prayer on each and every topic that we leave so that you don't feel like, man, I don't know what to do now that I've learned this or now that I'm aware of this. If you, if you were brave enough to raise your hand and you know that you need to walk in a greater measure of humility... Would you do something that is actually going to thwart pride? You're going to ask for help. Would you slip on out of your seat? And would you come up and allow one of our prayer team to pray with you? Do you know that in doing that, it's actually it's actually an anti-pride step. Because you're saying, I know I can't do this on my own. And I just want to say thank you for every bold person willing to kick pride right in the teeth. If you're up here to to, to pray with some individuals, you can go ahead and start praying with some folks.